Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Welcome in, my friends, to episode 62 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, where today my guest is Captain Aaron Keith Hawkins. Aaron is a retired police captain with decades of leadership experience. He's been a teacher, a mentor, a coach, and a speaker since the 1990s. Aaron holds a master's degree in administrative leadership with a focus on professional coaching from the University of Oklahoma. He's a certified NLP practitioner, and he's a proud alum of the 255th session of the invitation-only FBI National Academy, where he engaged in advanced leadership studies along with his fellow handpicked delegates from dozens of countries. Aaron and I had an amazing conversation recently, and one of the big pieces, and it's going to come very early in this episode, folks, Aaron's going to talk about his wake-up moment. We know what these are, right? Those moments when all of a sudden, everything changes. Aaron's going to share a story about that moment when he woke up, literally woke up, and realized he had to choose to lead, not because of a title, but because that's who he is and that's what he wanted to do. You're going to hear all about that and so much more right on the other side of these messages. Hey leaders, how often do you hear from certain teachers that PD just doesn't feel relevant to them? If you need a professional development solution that offers differentiated PD that will cater to the unique needs of your teachers, I've got the answer. Peer-driven PD seeks out some of the best teachers in the country documents their tips and techniques that work in real classrooms every day and provide that content directly to schools. That's right. Your teachers can learn from other full-time classroom teachers that are in the trenches, just like your staff. And the great thing is peer-driven PD features a wide range of material from all levels and content areas. This means instant credibility with some of your most reluctant educators. The courses are really engaging. Things like project-based learning at early elementary, building student agency with meaningful projects for secondary teachers, getting students unstuck in math, and so many more. And just released this fall, a series of classroom management essentials for early elementary, upper elementary, and secondary teachers, all taught by phenomenal full-time classroom teachers. Imagine the morale boost for your teachers when they see themselves and their day-to-day challenges reflected and addressed in their professional development. If you'd like to hear more, Reach out to peerdrivenpd.com. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. Again, that's peerdrivenpd.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, Aaron Hawkins, welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, my friend. Um, it sounds like it's a beautiful day in Florida, not so much here in Omaha. So welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to talk to you. Darren, I'm extremely grateful to be here. I will spare the your fellow uh, cold weather friends and family my <laughs> comments about Florida weather. I would complain about the rain. I think we may dip below 70 today, and it's just rough over here, but uh, I know you're probably at about 
the uh, you could probably flip the numbers on my temperature to yours. So I'm pretty much, to, uh, yeah. I'm going to keep it to myself. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. He says keep it to himself after he tells us. After I tell, that's yeah. outstanding. See I love I did it. There. Yeah, yeah. I'm from <laughs> Jersey. We kind of yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, that little subtle guilt trip. Well played, sir. Well played. So. Um, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk leadership today, man. Something that, yeah. that you and I are both super passionate about. And uh, obviously, you know, we come at it from a little bit different direction. You know, obviously me with uh, with my background in education, you more in your background with law enforcement and being a first responder. Um, just, you know, real quick, just for my uh, listeners who don't know who you are, just give them a quick elevator version of who you are and then let's dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you said, Darren, I'm Aaron. I'm Aaron Keith Hawkins. I'm from New Jersey. I My traditional career, I spent 25 years in law enforcement, retired as a captain back in 2019. Um, I Even while I was still on the job, I started building this platform of uh, thought leadership, um, leadership development, and it kind of evolved organically over the years. I, I knew once I transitioned out of that, I wanted to be on stages. Uh, and that's what I do now, keynote speeches and, and coaching on leadership. I, I Like you said, Darren, I'm, I'm passionate about it for so many different reasons. Uh, and I, I feel really blessed to be able to do what I do for a living. I love that so much. It's it's interesting. You know, and, and here on the show, I've, I've said it a whole lot of times. So, you know, my my loyal listeners will know that this is true. But Great leadership is great leadership. It doesn't matter yeah. the you know the area in which you're doing it, whether it's law enforcement or uh, education or business or whatever the case may be, nonprofit. I mean, I could probably yeah. name off a whole bunch of different fields, but people get get kind of the gist of that. Um, talk to me about um, maybe kind of that moment for you when yeah. you went from you know, hey, I'm. I'm, you know, just, just another guy, you know, out, you know, doing my beat or, you know, in my car or whatever. And all of a sudden yeah. that, like, we call it the tap on the shoulder sometimes in leadership. Like when, when yeah. was that moment for you? Yes, that's, uh, that's a great question. So Darren, for me, it's interesting because I started my career in 1995. So I'd been in and around leadership, good, bad, and everything in between. And I had an incident that happened in 2009, and I just gotten promoted. My first promotion, I became a sergeant, and it was December 2009. And I had this wake-up moment, literally, at 1.30 in the morning. Uh, I think it was December 9th of 2009. I woke up. I was laying in bed, and I had this massive, massive pain in the left side of my chest. And it was strange because it, the pain literally is what woke me up. So I'm laying there on, on my side and I feel this pain and it's radiating down my arm. At the time, I'd been cross-trained as an emergency medical technician. So I'm self-diagnosing and trying to kind of fight through the fog because uh, it's 1.30 in the morning. I, to make a really long story short, I, just, I sat up and I did what us kind of knuckle-headed guys tend to do in times like that. I tried to walk it off literally on the side of the bed. <laughs> yeah. I start pacing. I, 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 yeah, I forced myself yeah. to my feet. And, I, and, and you can just picture me, this big, lugging, six-foot-four guy, you know, about 250, and I'm pacing on the side of my bed with a radiating chest pain thing as if that were going to help. 
Um, and it didn't. <laughs> so I, I, I had to make a, it, and then I was struck with a sobering decision because I realized that if this was really happening and if I was having a heart attack and I didn't wake my wife up, either she or our three-year-old daughter was going to find me in the morning. And that's terrified me into action. So I, I called out to my wife. I said, babe, you've got to call 911. She instantly jumped out of bed and somehow was instantly awake. And she just looked at me with this calm, calm look on her face. And she just said three words. Are you sure? And I paused a beat, hoping this pain and the pain was at that point, like a 12 out of 10. And I just said, yeah, you got to call. And at that moment, I couldn't hold myself up anymore. I, I slumped down at the foot of our bed. My vision started narrowing and it felt like somebody was turning a dial on my back that said energy across it. And some, it felt like somebody was just turning that energy dial down and I just lost all physical control. So I'm sitting there with my back leaning up against the bed, my vision's narrowing. I could hear as if, and it sounded like as, as if I was underwater, if you've ever been in a pool for the swimmers out there yeah. and you can hear, but it's just, everything's muffled. And that was it. I, I couldn't move. And the, but that wasn't the moment that changed things. What changed it for me was what I felt. And if someone had told me before this happened what I would feel if that situation happened, I would have assumed that I would feel fear, like terrified, like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I'm checking out. And instead, I got hit with this overwhelming wave of regret. Massive, massive regret hit me like a Mack truck. Now, mind you, at the time, I had by all counts, a great career. I had an amazing, and still do, an amazing wife. We've been married now 26 years. She's literally my best friend, and my we call ourselves our, our ride-or-die partners. Um, I had a beautiful daughter. We had the two dogs. It, we had, by all standards, a great life, and I felt like I was a good guy. But as I was sitting there believing it was over, it was like I felt this vacuum of missed opportunities, um, all these things where I suddenly within a maybe a five second span, I started asking myself, why wasn't I intentionally a better husband, a better friend, a better peer? Um, why was I not fighting harder to have a bigger impact in my my footprint in my life? And I felt like I had just been coasting because to be completely honest, Everything I was doing at that time, and I was a SWAT team member, I had, I think, seven instructor cert certifications by that point. On paper, everything looked like I was just, I was just crushing it career-wise. But in a moment of truth, Darren, I was only doing what came natural to me, what felt comfortable to me. Yeah. And that's, that's where, in hindsight, um, when all this played out, I realized where the regret came from. I wasn't even trying to improve at a, at an intentional level. And, and I think it's an important distinction for all of us because there, I know, I'm sure Darren, you know, and many of the listeners, and it may even be, you know, you as you're listening out there, a lot of us can get in this position where when we look at our own personal resume, we can be comforted because it all looks good. We have a job. We have a nice family. We're nice people. We do barbecues on the weekends. Our kids are playing soccer, all these checklist things. But in a moment of honesty, 
we all know when we're not trying, when we're not really pushing. We know when we've hit that, when we've got on the rails, so to speak, and are just gliding along. And that's what happened to me. Um, and I know everyone out there is probably in suspense wondering if I made it. I did. <laughs> I lived. I got to the hospital. <laughs> here you and, are. Uh, I, I am still here. Uh, but I spent a couple of days in the hospital. Uh, I got out. And, and it's one of those situations where I didn't feel like something had to change. I knew something had because uh, I couldn't undo that experience. And that, that was my moment that, that changed it all. That's super powerful. Um, you know, it's it's something that I'm hearing more and more frequently with people as I you know talk with them here on the podcast. That mm. you know we kind of all have that moment for us where you know we we go from I, I like how you put that you know we we stop coasting we stop you know just doing what comes natural and what comes easy and we actually as human beings say you know what I want to challenge myself I want to do more yeah. I want to. I guess I look at it in, you know, in my situation um, where, you know, leaving education for after 26 years and stepping into this entrepreneur space now, you know, coming up on two years, um, I just wanted to start living. I wanted to start living yeah. for, for myself, for yeah. my family. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible the parallels that we have. My wife and I have been married 26 years. I started my career oh, in wow. 95 and I have a daughter and two dogs. It's unbelievable oh, wow. the parallels there. Um, now, I don't live in Florida where it's 70 degrees today, but uh, otherwise. One thing at a time, Darren. One there you go. Right, there you go. We're, we're running some parallels there for sure. So, okay. So you're, you're in the recovery mode. You, yeah. you know, you're kind of getting better, but in your own mind, you have kind of like you've flipped yeah. this switch. And I know, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, sometimes those things just happen immediately or, you know, mm -hmm. you look back, you know, a little ways down the road and you know that was the moment, but it took some time for you oh, to yeah. start moving forward. Yeah. And, and I want to hit a word in here and mm -hmm. let you run from there because you said something that to me is one of the most important, maybe maybe one of the two most important words in, le in leadership. The word for me, there, there's two. I'll use the one you didn't use first and that's clarity, but you talked about yeah. it. And number two yes. is being intentional. You you said yes. intentional twice in that piece. Yes. So yes. talk a little bit more about that. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and to your point, Darren, clarity is one of my favorite words, and I, and I think is one of the most important words, but going to intentional. So there's this, in my experience, there's been, there's this dichotomy between um, life in many ways has its own inherent challenges. And I, I find that when I, when I work with people and, and just have conversations uh, in doing what I do, you and I do actually for a living there, I get asked a lot of times, and why do you talk so much about challenging ourselves? Isn't life challenging enough? And I think there's a big difference between the challenges that are going to come because nature says so and, and things just happen that way and choosing our own challenges for the purpose of growing our mindset, our skill set, and our impact. There are two different types of challenges. There's the ones that are unavoidable and there's the ones that we choose. I prefer to set the ones that we choose because when we choose our own challenges, we can avoid some of the ones that will come without our input, right? Um, 
So being intentional to me and being intentional, especially in the context of leadership, is something that requires a couple things. One, intention requires self-reflection. Uh, if, you're, if we're going to be intentional about what we're going to do, we have to reflect on what we have done and then say, okay, where where am I in a few different categories? How am I um, in my professional life, in my personal life? How's my health? How's my How are my relationships? And once we get honest about that baseline, then we can get intentional about, okay, what can I improve that's likely to have the most significant impact in changing and improving my life and or changing and improving the impact that I'm having uh, as I move along in, in my family and in my career and in my organization, whatever that context is for you. And by being honest and starting to, to, to make those, those leaps of growth and setting those new challenges, uh, that's when life can get interesting. And that's, to me is is the very beginning stage of really leading. And it's, it's funny when that incident happened that I described, I was already, and I'm using air quotes here for those that aren't watching, I was already in a position of leadership. So I could have certainly say, oh, I was already being a leader. But was I truly leading with intention? Because sometimes we can evolve into a position, you know, stay at a job long, long enough and a lot of people are just going to get promoted because they, hey, you've been around a long time. You're the manager now. Right. So-and-so left. Yeah. And you wind up just stumbling into this leadership position. But having a leadership position doesn't mean you're leading with intention. It doesn't mean you're building those relationships. It doesn't mean you have clarity about who you are. Uh, doesn't mean it, do, it doesn't affect getting a new title that says manager or VP or regional director. Doesn't change your mindset. Your mindset is what it is. So these things are, are what I are kind of, for that reason, I dove deeper over as the years went by and time went by into what it really means to, or I should say, how can we avoid a moment of regret like I had when I thought I was checking out? And the answer that evolved over time was, it, was we have to choose to lead and be the person in the lead in our lives. We have to be a leader, not because our title says so, but because when we wake up in the morning, we have that intention and we have that clarity and we've decided who we're going to be and what we're going to do and how we're going to grow. And that's when things get really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think it comes back to, I mean, another one of my favorite words that, that you used in there again was, was choice. You know, I mean, we yeah. have a choice. Every day, yeah. right? I mean, like when, yeah. when my feet hit the floor this morning, I had a choice. And that mm -hmm. choice is how am I going to show up today? You know, am I going to yeah. show up and be that guy who's who's just kind of coasting? Um, yeah. You know, I, I love how you talked about, you know, in essence, when we're in that, you know, kind of coasting mode or, or we're more mm -hmm. in the reactive instead of proactive mode that, mm -hmm. you know, the challenges that come our way are not ones that we really have a lot of control over. But if yeah. we are choosing our challenges, in other words, if we choose to show up today and take yeah. on a challenge and be willing to be vulnerable, be honest with ourselves, and to challenge ourselves, what, yeah. what an incredible opportunity. So, yeah, we've got a choice yeah. every single day. I love yeah. that so, so very much. And I love that you talked about that being intentional requires that self-reflection. 
I think this is something for yeah. me um, as a leader. Quite often, I would struggle with that. I mean, I, I I had my setup, and actually, my secretary would even push me to to get back to it sometimes, where I would literally go stand on the balcony above our gymnasium, and because mm-hmm. I was a basketball coach, and I would like look at the floor, and in my own mind, I was placing the things that were important to me on the floor, and yeah. just like I was rolling the tape back, you know, uh, yeah. you know, watching watching film of a game. I was checking on myself and yeah. there were times I would, I would fall out of that loop, right? You know, I would get a little yeah. complacent or I would allow, allow myself to get too stuck in the weeds. And yeah. my secretary, God lover, Marilyn would put it on my calendar and she'd be like, nice. you need to get over the balcony, you know? And oh, yeah. when, when we're like really intentional and people know around yeah. us. And so this is what I want you to run with here. When we're really being clear and letting other people around us know, what we stand for and what we're trying yes. to be intentional about. It's incredible what they'll do to hold us accountable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's so true. We we tend to live up to the expectations of our closest peer circle, right? And and to to that point when after this incident happened for me and I I would love to say, you know, I got out of the hospital and I set the world on fire and I was just amazing and suddenly I was a changed man. If anything, uh, if, if I were to use one word to describe how I felt when I did come home physically, I'd probably have to use two words. The first is grateful um, because I was still around. Um, but two, if I'm honest, Darren, I, I was confused because I, I knew something wasn't right. I knew the, how horrible that feeling of regret was when this happened, but, but I wasn't sure what the right path is, what the right next steps, what needed to be fixed. I didn't have this instant clarity. I just had this instant understanding that something needed to be clarified. So right. I stumbled in what happened for me and what evolved over the years was I stumbled into uh, <laughs> I was well, as I said, I was in law enforcement. Right. So I was immediately skeptical and I, I went to, you know, that everyone's number one resource was Google. And I just I, w- I remember sitting in my office one day and I was just typing random questions like, uh, how do you change your life? What to do when you've had a life changing, changing experience and all these little things. Yeah. And I stumbled on. It's when I stumbled in for me and I was 36 at the time. I kind of stumbled in this idea of personal development and self-help. And I'd heard of all that stuff. And I'd heard of Tony Robbins and Les Brown and all these speakers that yeah. uh, I knew were these motivational type talkers. But it never felt I didn't have any life experience that made that practical for me. It just it just wasn't something I'd been exposed to. Uh, so I but I started digging into it. So I started listening to some Tony Robbins and Les Brown and, and, and from there, just more and more people that just uh, not because they were perfect, but because they were presenting mental models that were different than anything I'd had before. And it was these models about challenging yourself and being self-reflective and asking yourself, has what I've been doing been giving me the results that I actually want in my career, in my marriage and all these different things? And it started changing how I thought. Um, I also went back to college. I finished my degree. Uh, I went to University of Oklahoma for my uh, master's in administrative leadership. Um, I started taking uh, I started taking my education both formally and informally a lot more seriously. And I wound up, and this is this happened over the course of years. I wound up building this mental model of 
self-leadership and it really showed me what I was missing um, because I did a lot of, I mean, gosh, do- pages and pages and pages of documentation, just trying to make sense out of all of this. And mind you, the simple fact that I started diving into personal development, in addition to studying leadership formally, I can tell you without a doubt, if I hadn't done both at the same time, my life would be very different. I wouldn't have experienced, I truly, I know for a fact, I wouldn't have been able to experience the success that I did in my career and the fulfillment that I had in my personal life. Both had to happen because in a nutshell, leadership development will do nothing without personal development. And and, and I, I can't stress that enough for, for the leaders that are out there. I, I know it's it's important. People take leadership courses and leadership classes and all these things. And a lot of times they kind of they kind of have been hybridized these days. And a lot of personal development is mixed into leadership development. But I, I know just from experience, if you can imagine, 25 years of being around hundreds and hundreds of leaders from around the globe, a lot of times we can get fixated on being better leaders and not be fixated enough on improving ourselves and growing as individuals. And because that's where the, you know, especially historically in law enforcement, you know, soft skills were this dreaded thing you don't talk about, you know, being sensitive and having relationships. It was a very paramilitary style uh, environment, especially I would say that started to transition in the 90s. But I realized that there's there are really four pillars of leadership as a lifestyle um, that changed the game for me. And and it's really what I built my platform on these days. And it's what I talk about when I do my keynotes that the, and the first of those four pillars is relationships, Darren, because and I think of these four pillars as uh, the four elements, earth, air, fire, water. So our relationships are the grant, literally the earth, the ground that we stand on in our leadership. And that's at home and at work. If you think about it, when whenever I see a leader struggle in any organization, it could be education, it could be law enforcement, it could be in a medical setting, it could be in, in machinery. When I see leadership, leadership breakdowns, almost always the first thing, the first problem I see is relationships. People don't get along. There's, 100%. there's either the staff is fighting with the leader, the leader is fighting with the staff, everybody's fighting with each other. It's leadership, excuse me, it's relationship breakdowns. And there's there's two ways to look at this. One is how do we build better relationships? But I think what's more important and what fixes things quicker is to is to recognize what is usually the root cause, the fastest way to ruin a relationship. And if you think about it, think of a time or think of someone that you uh, either don't get along with or a moment in time where you did not get along with that person. It's probably one of three things happening. Either they did not believe that. Um, they didn't believe that they were safe around you. They didn't think that uh, they mattered to you and they didn't feel connected to you. Because if somebody doesn't feel safe around you, if they don't feel connected to you and they don't feel like they matter to you at all, that relationship is done. It's a non-starter. Yep. And uh, and it, it's one of the easiest things to fix because all you got to do is flip that on its head. Okay, when I'm interacting with this person and I have not been able to get along with and I'm especially if I'm their leader and I have to motivate them to perform better for themselves and for organization. How can I go into this conversation 
and make sure they know that they're safe with me. And I don't mean safe like you're a danger to them, but sometimes people don't feel safe even expressing themselves around you. They don't feel safe in their position. They don't feel like they're trusted. Um, And and, and that lack of feeling of safety and that lack of feeling of connection and that that lack of feeling like you actually care about them, it prevents anything else good from happening. You could have the best idea, you could have the best goals and, 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 uh, um, you know, performance, a performance plan that you want them to implement, all these things could be perfectly spelled out for them. But if they don't, if they're looking at you, shaking their head, go, you don't care. I don't trust you. Right. And I don't feel safe with you. It's a non-starter. And, and so that's why I tell people, I'm like, look, you want to change your relationship? Just focus on three things. Make sure every time you have a conversation with somebody, they know that they are actually, you know, you can, preface the conversation, even if it's a disciplinary matter, like, look, I know we have to talk about this thing that went wrong. I want you to know one thing before we even talk about it. I care about you. Like, I want you to do well. And while we're going to talk about a negative event, please don't let that overshadow the fact that I actually care. I'm not here because I because I want you to be gone or because I want to, you know, look down upon you. I'm, I'm here because I want to help. You know how you may, how you perform yeah. and how you're feeling matters to me. Um, I, I I care and let's get this done and and let's make things let's make things better for all of us. When you lead with the obvious, when you lead conversations with what people are scared about, then it helps that barrier come down. Then you can get into the conversation because those thoughts that were in the back of their head, you know, uh, he doesn't care, she doesn't care, they don't care. When you kind of negate that ahead of time, it, it, it makes relation, it makes the, the capability of building stronger relationships a lot easier. Leaders, your educators deserve to have a leader who believes in them, who supports them, and who lifts them up when they're down. Right now, they deserve that reminder that they are traveling their own road to awesome. On that road to awesome, we focus on the things we can control and we let go of the things we can't. On that road to awesome, we rise by lifting others, not by pushing each other down. And on that road to awesome, we change the world one conversation at a time. Leaders, I want to work with your schools. I want to work with you and your educators to lift them up, to honor the work they do, and to let them know they are not in this alone. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's get your teachers back on that road to awesome, to find that love, to find that clarity, and to walk in their purpose. Reach out to us at roadtoawesome.net for your opportunity to bring Road to Awesome to your school. just a constant stream of absolute leadership <laughs> gold right there. And I think, I mean, we'll come back for, for two, three and four here in a sec, but um, what, what, what I am processing as you, you are talking, I mean, number one, I think what happens often in leadership and, and it doesn't matter again, where, where you're practicing mm-hmm. leadership, the, the type of, of work you're in. You mentioned earlier, you know, how people just get promoted, 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 you know, they, yeah. they make their way up, to you know to what to whatever level and 
a lot of it is because they performed well in the previous role. And yeah. that has everything to do with the specific industry that they're in. Yeah. But leadership itself is unique. Leadership in education, leadership in law enforcement, leadership in the manufacturing industry, in the logistics industry, whatever, is not about the logistics industry or about the manufacturing industry yes. or law enforcement or yes. education. It's about people. We're in the people business when we're leaders. Yes. And if we can ensure as leaders that people feel seen and heard and valued and trusted, that yeah. makes the job a whole lot, not only easier, but a whole lot more rewarding because you're right. Yeah. I mean, again, you just, it's like, it's like I gave you a glossary of words, you know, or a list of words. And let's just blast these words out because they're the words that are, you know, most important to me. And you're hitting every one of them. Man, it is all about relationships. Yeah. I love that that's the one that you led with because, I mean, if if you can get that part right, I mean, you think about mm -hmm. you think about the best leaders you've been around. I mean, yeah. seriously, think about the people who like, oh my God, I will follow her up the hill. I say her yeah. because the first person that comes to mind is my first principal. I will follow Betsy up the hill forever. Yeah, it's not because she knew a lot about education. She did. Man, the way she made me feel. Yeah. The way that yeah. I knew I was seen and heard and valued and trusted in her funny, eyes, you know, go. Funny yeah, story, run. Darren. I, I, I and it, this is probably the best example from my lifetime that I can give about this conversation. When I, in 1997, I joined uh, our agency's uh, tactical team, our SWAT team. And our team leader at the time, uh, we had put this brand new team, a uh, group of 13 individuals. Uh, we began our training. We trained with FBI tacticals, some of the original guys from uh, LAPD. And, you know, we were going, we had a lot to learn and a lot to do. But from a leadership perspective, the very first thing, and, and this didn't just happen once, this was a con constant conversation for 15 years. Well, probably a little less than that because he retired before my 15th year. But 15 years on this team, the most important thing he ever did with us, and it was brilliant, was he sat us all down and he said, look, I want to make something really clear to each and every one of you. I am not training you to be SWAT cops or SWAT operators. I'm training you to replace me. So each and every one of you, even though we're starting out fresh, new, I trust you to step into my shoes. And it's my responsibility to make sure that if I were to be gone next month, every single one of you could step in and fill into my shoes. That's how much I trust you. That's how much I think of you. And he made it abundantly clear consistently. I mean, this is day after day, week after week, month after month year after year, the conversation, the training, the trust, the connection, the, the respect, and the assumption of how what we were capable of remained consistent. He made it abundantly clear that he knew he was not some ordained special individual. He just happened to be in that role. And he wanted to make sure that when and if the day came, we could step into his role, that we were capable of being better than him. And there was a lot of, you know, we, it was a highly competitive environment. We all 
wanted to be better than the person next to us, but it was a healthy competition sure. type of thing. So a lot of elbowing and tongue in cheek. But that mindset of from a leadership mindset of you are every bit as capable as I am and I want to my job is to not just lift you up to where I am, but to push you up higher than me. And that was his that was his mindset. That was his mantra. And that was consistent for easily a decade. And the interesting thing that happened is the vast majority of the people that came in and out of that team over the years when he was there wound up getting promoted all the way up and through the ranks, myself included. I, I left as a captain, which was the highest uh, sworn um, title in our in our agency. And even after we left, you know, we've got team members that are now working in senior positions at Princeton University. You know, I'm doing what I do. There's a lot of people that went up and left to do really amazing things, not because they were they were on this particular team, but because they had been raised and invited into a culture where people someone believed in them. You know what I mean? Someone really believed yeah. in them and made it clear they were believed in. And I think that as leaders, if it can get real easy to get into the mindset of we need to fix people. But we don't because when you're constantly building people up and giving them the tools to be excellent and showing them that you think more about them than they may think about themselves. Discipline rarely needs to happen when that's the mindset when you show when you talk about someone's how excellent someone is regularly and authentically um it, it, it changes the game you know it, it, it changes the game everybody wants to we're humans right and it's not about you know yeah. giving somebody some song and dance or performing some fake words about how much you think about someone that's that's not at all the point the point is to really actually care about these people and have and trust that they can be excellent if they slip and fall let them slip and fall we're all going to slip and fall but believe in their excellence and they'll show it to you you, you if you believe Absolutely. you communicate to someone you believe that they are excellent they're outstanding they will fight to show you that you're right it is amazing how people will rise to the level of what you believe in them um, yes. I think there's there's no question about it, and I, I, it's like I need a sound effect on, on here, like you know, like the, <laughs> you know the ding or something. You know, every time you say one of those words that would be on my list, culture ding, yeah, you just you, you know you hit that one there yeah. too. Um, you, you know, we could chase relationships forever, but there are three more pillars, yeah. and I'm sure some of the listeners are like, uh, "Are you guys going to get the other three? Or yeah, I know. So <laughs> so yeah, let's let's jump to, let's jump to the second pillar because this stuff is absolute gold. Yes, absolutely. So, so relationships, as I said, think of the elements, earth, air, fire, water. Relationships is definitely the earth. That's the ground we stand on in leadership. The second is, is uh, air. And the air in our leadership capability is our clarity. Um, excellent clarity. We need to have clarity, not only about um, what we do as, as an organization. I mean, that's, that's the that's the easy part, right? Like, what is it that we do? Well, anybody can answer that question, but really clarity about who we're serving, who we're looking out for, um, what do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe about our organization? What's the experience that we're looking to create in an organization? If it's an education, what's the experience that we're trying to create for our students and our staff? What should it be like to come to school here? How should we feel when we walk in the building? How should we feel? Uh, how should our, our students feel 
when they go home at the end of the day? What are our, who are we in terms of our ethics, our character, our virtues, and our standards? Having clarity about all of those things, everything from what we do to what we believe about ourselves, to what we believe about the people that interact with us in our organization and how we want them to feel and what what virtues, what character do we want to describe? Having that clarity uh, is 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 huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge because it changes everything because it's I mean, look, it's it's easy for it's easy to to check off a, a list of things that need to be done in an organization. Right. I was in law enforcement for years. I could try to simplify it, say, well, you know, in law enforcement, you need to answer the 911 calls and go to wherever there's trouble and solve the trouble. If somebody broke a law, arrest them and charge them. Uh, and then and, and that's pretty much it. But that's nonsense. There's so much more than that. You know, if, if we're not exhibiting our values, our virtues as as guardians and protectors of a community, I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to see what happens when that breaks down. We, we, we see it at nauseum in the news. Um, but it really changes things when you build a, a, a culture, as we just used that word a little yeah. earlier, a culture where it's not acceptable to just do the job. We're more than just the job we do. We're individuals who are creating an experience for our our customer base, if you will. And it doesn't matter the context, whether, as we said, law enforcement, education, health, manufacturing, there's an experience that's happening inside your workplace. And there's an experience that's happening as people interact with your organization. And if you if you don't know what that experience is supposed to be, and if as an organization and as a culture, it isn't spelled out what that experience should be like, then you are spinning that roulette wheel because Absolutely. you there's no way to predict with any type of consistency what someone's going to feel like when they interact with your organization. If it's not spelled out clearly and consistently and that's not made the standard you're going to get some really random and oftentimes ugly results, especially if it's in an industry where it's high stress, right? I mean, yeah. look at, law enforcement's a perfect example of that. It, by nature, by yeah. definition, is a high stress industry. You know, police officers go to the worst situations uh, that most the average person should never have to see. And the people that are interacting with the police are probably having one of the worst days of their life. That is, by nature, a high-stress environment. And in that environment, it is a 100 times more essential to have clarity about who you are and what your virtue, what your uh, character is, what your standards are, what your ethics are. If that's not made clear consistently, that's when tragedy happens. And you can translate that to a family environment. You can translate that yep. to a pizza parlor. You can translate that to any... Yep any bubble essentially where there is a group of people and there's dynamics going on if you're not clear about what's supposed to be happening here what's our standards here then you're going to get random results so that's that's the second yeah. pillar that is that clarity and and i'll for the sake of time i'll jump through your last two if you want to quickly unless sure. you want to give some feedback on that darren i'm just going to say uh, one thing on that and, yeah. and that's um you know what one of my favorite uh, speakers in the education space, a friend of mine, um, uh, Dr. Joe Sanfilippo says, we do not get to choose 
which interaction people remember us for. And if we don't have that clarity about who we are, what we stand for, what our organization is all about, and make sure that that permeates through the entire organization, you are absolutely right. That's when the bad experience comes. And that's when people say bad things about whatever your organization is. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and and that's perfect. To that point, really super fast. I I was a I was a field training officer for like seven seven eight years, and I'm, my job was to the new hires when they came on the job. They were yeah. fresh out of the police academy. They had to ride with me for a few months, and one of the things that it was our culture to drill into these individuals is you need to remember something. Most people don't get to meet a lot of cops one on one, so however you behave in this interaction, that to their friends to their family to anyone they ever have a conversation about in terms of law enforcement, that is going to be, you are going to be their opinion of policing in America. Yeah. Even though you may be one of 1 million individuals, uh, there's about a million law enforcement officers in the United States right now. You are it. So if you are a, if you are arrogant, if you're condescending, if you're flippant, if you're dismissive, Guess what? They're guess how they're going to describe police officers for the rest of their life, as that. Absolutely. If you show that you care, if you have empathy, if you sincerely try to help, even if you can't help, if you show that you care and you're trying and you're fighting for them, you're in their corner. Guess how they're going to describe police officers for the rest of their life? Absolutely. Oh my gosh! There you go. My experience yeah. is totally different, and, and that's and that's what matters organizationally, and that's important for us to remember, and that that's important for us to remember as individuals. We all have our own reputation. There is a culture of us as individual people. We need to remember that. Let me jump into these last two uh, pillars real fast. Yeah. So right earth on. and air. Earth was relationships. Air was clarity. Clarity is the air that we breathe in our leadership. Um, it's so mandatory. Fire is our mindset a success mindset specifically. And, and the way I teach this very quickly is um, in terms of building a mindset that leads to successful actions, behaviors, and habits, I think of it as four quick things. One is making the pivotal choice to, be, to, to accept pure responsibility for everything. Whatever happens in your workplace, at home, Assume that you are the person responsible, and I'll touch on that word responsible in a second. The second is to have unconditionally high standards, and I and I bold underscore and highlight the word unconditional because most people, most people, it, it makes sense to have high standards, but also for most people, high standards are easy to hold when things are going right, but when things go wrong. That's when it's most important to keep our standards high, but that's usually when people give an excuse to lower their standards. Perfect examples, if, you, if someone, if you're in a disagreement with someone and they say something off color or they raise their voice at you or they say something smart or they talk behind your back, suddenly we feel like we have an excuse to lower our standards and kind of go off the handle or be vindictive. Um, but those are the moments when it's most important to keep our standards high and not and not fall off the wagon, so to speak. Um, after that is what I call reflective comparison. Uh, and all that means is whenever we're faced with a situation, if we're going to be successful as individuals and as leaders, it's important for us that when we're faced with something that uh, we practice reflective comparison. And, and the easy definition of that is reflective comparison is when you look into the mirror, literally or or 
or metaphorically and ask yourself, okay, if it were literally impossible for me to get this wrong, what would I do in this situation? Meaning what would my, my response be? What would I say? What would I do? What action would I take? And the reason why that's so important is sometimes, let's face it, we don't know what to do. And sometimes we don't that, that because we don't know what to do, we default to an emotional response. But whenever we as human beings ask ourselves a question such as what would I do if I couldn't get this wrong, if I if I didn't have ego, if, if I was incapable of making a mistake, what am I what am I likely to do here? When we ask ourselves a question, our brains can't help but to give us an answer. So our lives are largely largely a result of the questions that we ask ourselves. You know, we ask ourselves, why am I overweight? Well, you know, our brain will tell us, well, because you like to eat. But if we ask yourself a better question, like, how could I be healthier? Well, your brain will give you that answer too. Oh, eat better. Maybe go for a run today or maybe work out today. It sounds simple, but it's so true. Reflective comparison, having the, that humility to ask ourselves a question, what would I do if I couldn't get it wrong? And having that as part of your mindset will change the game for you. And, and lastly is what I call elevate your situational methodology. And all that means is most of us, when we're faced with a situation, we either do what's, uh, we do what's familiar, we hope, we believe, or lastly, we create something. Most people default to doing what they're, what's familiar, their, their habits. Uh, there's a professor at Harvard who's, who said most of the 95% of the, of the time, our decision-making, what we do in life, it's kind of automatic. We do it instinctively because we've done it so many times, um, which is why it's so important to be, to go back to that word intentional. Yes, there's times when doing what's familiar is fine. There's times when hope will sustain you when, when life is really hard. Having belief that something will get better, something can be resolved is really important, but none of that is important as creating. So having that as, as a mindset to always be thinking it, it, every single day and every moment, as soon as you get out of bed in the morning, what can I create today? That word create is so powerful. So that's, those are the four things when it comes to mindset, being responsible, unconditional high standards, um, ref, re, have that reflective comparison where you ask yourself, you know, what would the best version of me do here? And finally, what can I create in every situation that those four mindset pieces are life changing. And I'm going to roll really quickly into last because it's, it's the easiest to say it's self-care. Yeah, go for it. We, we have to, we have to prioritize self care as leaders and as individuals, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, intellectually, financially, Taking care of ourselves is one of the things that I see leaders fail to do the most because they're so busy being busy and worried about the metrics and the KPIs and, and this quarter's results or the, the, the income this month. There's so many things, and I mean this empathetically, there's so many things that, that leaders are responsible for. And, and I know from experience what it can feel like to be overloaded with responsibilities, that self-care can fall off the map and it doesn't sound cool or strong or, or, or you know, powerful or, or any of those things. But it is the, one of the most brilliant things that a leader can do for themselves. Darren, when we got on the line this morning, you talked about you just hit your workout. Yeah. That is, yeah. honestly, that, that's, that's part of the game because not only is it good for you, it is an example. Like people know 
who's taking care of yourself, uh, who's taking care of themselves and who isn't. And setting that as an example, it builds all these other things. Self-care builds your mindset. Self-care helps you recognize your clarity uh, about, you know, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about yourself is how you tend to feel about others. Self-care is great for relationships because how many times have people had relationship breakdowns because one, if not both of the people in that relationship were struggling with themselves mentally, physically, socially, financially. There's all these things going on with them that there's this deficit within themselves and it affects how you interact with people. So self-care is a massive, massive pillar. So those are the four pillars. Uh, and I should say that self-care is the, uh, is the water of the elements, can't live without it. So earth, air, fire, water, relationships, clarity, mindset, and self-care. Those four things are, are, is what in my, in my experience really makes it simple for that person who is promoted for the first time. And they're like, I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know what to do. Focus on those four relationships, your clarity and how you communicate that clarity, your mindset and your self-care. If you nail all four of those, even if you get them mostly right, and all of us, we're all individuals, we'll be stronger in one pillar more than you are another at varying times, varying seasons of your life. None of this is supposed to be or is expected to be 10 out of 10. But if you know your self-care is at a three and your relationships are at a nine and, you know, insert your scores for each of these, then you can say, okay, what do I need to focus on? you know, bringing up, what could I be better at? You can focus on, you know what, I need to take better care of myself because it's going to help me do these other things. Um, it can be, it's life-changing. You know, that's advice that I would have loved to have had as a brand new principal, because I think yeah. that was one of my biggest struggles was, okay, where do I start? What do I do? And of course yeah. we always go to tasks, right? You know, I got to mm. do this task. I have to do this task. I have to do this task. Yes. Where Thinking about, you know what, if as a leader, I can focus on these four pillars, yeah. the rest of it's going to take care of itself. Yes, I have yeah. to do those tasks, but my job first and foremost is to take care of the people and lead the people. And I do it by doing these things. I love that so, so very much. So that takes me then, um, Aaron, to the final question here on the podcast. I ask the same question of everybody who comes on the show. Um, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So, Aaron, what are you doing right yeah. now to lean into leadership? You know, Darren, the most honest answer I can give is I am I'm doubling down on my message and spreading it. Um, getting on more shows like this, um, getting on more stages this year. I, I have the massive great fortune, fortune to be traveling to Taiwan in a couple of weeks. Um, and just being able to share this message broader to more leaders of any title. I mean, it's literally the it's literally the title of, of my keynote speech is leading with brilliance, yeah. no matter your title, um, because I know for number one, I know um, for myself how these pillars have changed my life over the past decade and a half now since I had that pivotal moment. I've had the opportunity to be in position of leadership and and develop uh, leaders who I was responsible for at the time and watch them grow and build because we talked about these things so many different times. And it's 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 kind of cool. And it, it's sobering now because some of these 
uh, young people that I actually trained back when I was talking, I was talking about how I was a field training officer for so many years. And now they're the captain. Now they're the director of public safety. They're running the organization that I left. Um, so sharing this message more is what I'm leaning into uh, and doubling down on this year. So, and I'm excited right? because these opportunities to have conversations like this and, and reach people is, is uh, it's the most important thing outside of my family and my health. It's one of the most important things in my life right now. Absolutely. So, uh, and it's a very, very powerful message. There's no question about that. So how do the folks that are listening to the show get in touch with you? Yeah, super easy. And thank you for asking. <clears throat> they can go to AaronKeithHawkins.com. That's Aaron with two A's, the middle name Keith, the last name Hawkins.com. Uh, from there, you can learn more about what I do in my platform. You can also grab a free copy of my book right from that homepage. As soon as you go to the homepage, you'll see a link. You can grab a free download of my book called uh, The Art of Trust and Influence. Um, grab a copy, read it over. Some of this information's in there. Some of it's not. So uh, hopefully at least there'll be a few nuggets of information that feel like they're worth your time to grab a copy and check it out. And if you're like me and you prefer Kindle, you can grab it on Amazon also. Uh, I think it's 99 cents. I marked it down to on, on Amazon for the Kindle because I love having all my books in one little place. So I uh, want to make sure I cater to my fellow Kindle readers out there also. Outstanding, man. Uh Captain Aaron Keith Hawkins, thank you so much for coming on to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Man, I love this conversation and I appreciate our connection. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Darren. I appreciate you. Some true leadership gold there from Aaron Keith Hawkins. I really appreciated the four pillars of leadership and how he connected those to the four elements. I love how earth represents relationships and how air represents clarity. Our mindset is connected to fire. And then, of course, our self-care is the water. Aaron really brought some incredible things. I appreciate him being here on the show this week. Make sure you reach out and connect with Aaron. All of his contact information is in the show notes. And now it's time for a pep talk. I want to talk a little bit here about some things Aaron talked about early in this episode. He talked about being intentional and how it requires self-reflection. To me, two of the most important things in our leadership are number one, clarity, and number two, being intentional. In order to be clear and in order to be intentional, we do have to have that honest self-reflection. We have to be willing to look ourselves in the mirror and be truly, brutally honest with ourselves. We also, as Brian Miller shared a couple of episodes ago, when he talked about that 360-degree evaluation, we have to be willing and vulnerable to listen to the feedback of others. Those 360-degree evaluations, as Brian said, are not for the faint of heart. But if we're going to truly be clear and truly be intentional about what we do, it's critical that we're willing to be honest with ourselves and also to listen to others. We have to be clear, folks, about what matters to us. We have to be clear about what we expect of others. And we have to be really clear about what success looks like. In other words, clarity of our vision. We've got to make sure people know this is what we expect to see. This is what we believe is possible here in our organization. And we're going to breathe that life right into it. And we do that by being intentional. We're going to be intentional about aligning our actions, our words, our time, and our efforts right to the values, visions, and expectations we have. 
Hey, you've got this this week, folks. Get out there and have an incredible week. Welcome to March, ladies and gentlemen. Go walk in your purpose. Go out and have a Road to Awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.